Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. I invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of Luke chapter 12 as we read the verses 54 to 59. And these words also form the text for the sermon. Let us hear the word of God. Then he, that is Jesus, also said to the multitudes, whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say, a shower is coming. And so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, there will be hot weather. And there is. Hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Yes, and why, even of yourselves, do you not judge what is right? When you go with your adversary to the magistrate, make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge. The judge deliver you to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you shall not depart from there till you have paid the very last mite. This ends the reading of the Holy Word of God. May the Lord bless and apply his word to our hearts. Dear friends, life is full of missed opportunities. You could have bought a house or a car at a very good price, but you acted too slowly, and before you knew it, it was gone. You had your eyes set on a nice girl. You were gathering up the courage to ask her out, when all of a sudden, another guy swooped in out of nowhere and beat you to it. You had the opportunity to invest in a startup company, but you did not want to take the risk, so you passed only to discover months later that the company became a huge success and was making millions of dollars for its shareholders. Well, I could go on and on, and I'm sure we can all identify with this to one degree or another. We have all had missed opportunities. But the greatest missed opportunity in this life is to hear the invitations and warnings of the gospel and then to fail to respond. This is precisely what the Jews did in our text, Luke 12, verses 54 to 59. It was only a few months before our Lord was crucified. Jesus and the disciples were in Perea, the region on the east side of the Jordan River, southeast of Galilee. They had arrived there from Jerusalem, where they had celebrated the Feast of the Dedication, And it was while they were there that many came to hear Jesus preach. We read at the very beginning of chapter 12 that an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another. Well, in front of this great multitude, Jesus addressed several subjects. In verses 1 to 3, he warned the people to beware of the leaven of the scribes and the Pharisees. In verses 4 to 12, he encouraged them not to be afraid when persecution comes, for God will look after them. Then in verses 13 to 21, he taught about the deceitfulness of riches. In verses 22 to 34, he taught about worry. 
Verses 35 to 48, he taught about the importance of being ready for his second coming. And then in verses 49 to 53, he taught the cost of discipleship. But then in verse 54, our Lord adopts a very different tone. Up until this point, he has been inviting and encouraging. It's like he's been urging the Jews one last time to follow him, laying out both the blessings and the challenges of doing so. But as if anticipating that the vast majority would not do so, our Lord in our text issues a solemn warning about the tragedy of missed opportunities. And it's to this subject that I turn your attention with God's help as we close out the year 2023. Our theme is the tragedy of a missed opportunity. And we'll see that this tragedy is, first of all, totally inexcusable, and secondly, utterly foolish. The Jews of Jesus' day were in danger of missing a golden opportunity. They had, we might say, a front row seat to the coming of the kingdom of God. Jesus was with them, the Son of God, the promised Messiah. And they had heard his teaching. They had witnessed his miracles. They had been invited to come to him and to be saved. But many refused. They let the opportunity slip by. And to the Lord Jesus, this was utterly inexcusable. And he says as much in verses 54 to 56. And there he points out how accurately they were able to predict the weather. In verse 54, he says, Whenever you see a cloud rising out of the west, immediately you say a shower is coming, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say there will be hot weather, and there is. Now, in New Testament times, they didn't have weather radars and satellites and all of the other sophisticated equipment that we use today to predict the weather. They simply observed the environment around them. And thus, Jesus says, when they saw a cloud rising out of the west, they accurately predicted it was going to rain. And that's because the Mediterranean Sea, which is the source of most of the moisture that falls on this region, lies to the west. Similarly, when they felt the south wind blow, they said it would be hot and dry. And that's because to the south and west of Judea lies the desert of the Sinai Peninsula and the hot, dry air of Africa. Now, to be sure, their method of predicting the weather was not always completely accurate, just like it's not always accurate today. But it was most of the time. Most of the time, the Jews of Jesus' day got it right. They could discern the weather, but they could not discern this time. Now, what did Jesus mean by this time? Well, he was referring, of course, to the time in which he ministered. For three years, Jesus had taught the people. And he also performed many miracles to confirm the truth of what he was saying and to prove his authority. There had never been a time like this. 
nor would there ever be a time after this. This was the apex of the coming of the kingdom of God. He who was God incarnate, the promised Messiah, the one of whom the prophets spoke, the one on whom the people of God throughout the ages had pinned their hope, was here. He was standing right in front of them. And the problem is, they did not know it. They failed to discern it. They failed to discern the time. Now, to be sure, they knew that Jesus was no ordinary man. Some even regarded him as a prophet, even a great prophet. But they did not discern that he was the Son of God, the promised Messiah. Oh, they could discern the weather, to be sure, no problem there. But they could not discern this time, the time of their salvation. And why not? Well, it wasn't because they were unable, for they had all of the evidence that they needed. It was, rather, that they were unwilling. And why were they unwilling? Why were they unwilling to discern the time? Well, first of all, because Jesus did not measure up to the kind of Messiah that they wanted. They wanted a political Messiah, someone who would lead them and battle against the Romans and reestablish the throne of David in Jerusalem. Jesus was not that kind of Messiah. Jesus taught his followers to turn the other cheek and to render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Whatever else Jesus said, whatever else Jesus did, didn't matter because it did not fit into their preconceived ideas. Jesus, the promised Messiah, no way. Secondly, they were unwilling because they did not like his message. You see, Jesus told people that they were sinners and that they could not save themselves and that the only way they could be saved was by believing on him. Now, the Jews of Jesus' day utterly rejected this. Oh, yes, they knew that they were sinners. But they did not believe they needed Jesus. They believed the solution to the problem of sin lay in themselves. They had to earn their way to heaven, and they did that by keeping the law of Moses. They simply would not accept that they could enter into heaven by faith in Christ alone. And so they rejected him despite the overwhelming evidence that he was who he said he was, that he was the promised Messiah, the very Son of God, they did not believe him. They could discern the weather with very little evidence, but they could not discern that he was the Messiah with very much evidence. And it's precisely for this reason that Jesus calls them hypocrites in verse 56, hypocrites, he said. You can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it you do not discern this time? Now, what's a hypocrite? Well, a hypocrite is someone who appears to be something he's not. Jesus often used this word to describe the scribes and the Pharisees. 
He called them hypocrites because they appeared to be very religious on the outside, but they were not on the inside. And now Jesus uses that same term to describe the multitude. They too, he says, were hypocrites. Now in what sense were they hypocrites? Well, not in the first place because their religion was not genuine. He calls them hypocrites because though they pretended to be religious, they were able to predict the weather, but they were not able to discern that Jesus was the promised Messiah and that therefore they were missing a golden opportunity to be saved. Well, let me ask you, are there any hypocrites listening to me today? Is there anyone listening who is more interested in the weather than in the things of the Lord? It's sad to say, but it's true that there are many such people in the church today. They come to church, unless, of course, it doesn't suit them. And they hear the warnings and the invitations of the gospel. And from time to time, they may even pray and read their Bible. But they're not really interested. These things do not grip them. Nor do they see the urgency of their situation. They're quite content to just keep on coasting along, going with the flow, sailing into eternity without a care in the world. Jesus says such people are hypocrites. They're going through the motions of religion, but their heart is not in it. They can tell you what the weather will be like tomorrow and the next day. They know the scores of the latest hockey games and the stats of the best players. They can speak very knowledgeably about politics and the economy and what's wrong with the world today, but they cannot discern the time. They do not understand that today could be their last day on earth and that after that, they must appear before the judgment seat of God and give an account of themselves and what they have done with his holy word. Only then it will be too late. And unless they have repented and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible says they will be cast into hell and there they will remain to all eternity. What well, does that describe you today? This is the last Sunday of the year 2023. Throughout this year, I trust, in your own churches as well as on the radio, you have heard many sermons. But let me ask you, what effect have these sermons had on you? Have they opened your eyes to see your sin and your need for a Savior? Have they been instrumental in leading you to Christ, the only Savior from sin? Have they instilled in you a desire and resolve to love him and to serve him with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Have they caused you to grow in grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ? Or like the Jews of our text, have you only hardened your heart against him? Oh, do not be a hypocrite. Do not pretend as though you are religious and not embrace Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do not squander the opportunity the Lord has given to you. Do not fail to discern this time. 
If the Jews of Jesus' day should have seen it, then we certainly should. For we have the complete word of God. And we know why Jesus came. And we also know how to be saved and how God wants us to live. It's all explained in the Bible, in the word of God. We have everything we need. Therefore, do not waste this opportunity. Do not fail to discern this time. The Jews missed this golden opportunity. And Jesus says that is totally inexcusable. But it was also utterly foolish. And that brings us to our second point. As we've seen, the Jews of Jesus' day had failed to discern the time. And as a result, they were in great danger. In order to impress this on them, the Lord told the following parable. It comes in verses 58 and 59. Jesus says, when you go with your adversary to the magistrate, Make every effort along the way to settle with him, lest he drag you to the judge, the judge deliver you to the officer, and the officer throw you into prison. I tell you, you shall not depart from there till you have paid the very last might. So Jesus here asks us to imagine a man who is guilty of stealing or embezzling money. And his adversary the person against whom he's committed the crime, naturally wants justice. And so he serves the man with a notice to appear in court. Now in ancient times, court proceedings began with the magistrate. It was his task to preside at what we would call a preliminary hearing. And if he determined that the case had merit, it would then go on to the judge who would render a verdict and a sentence. Now the man who is accused of committing the crime in this parable is guilty as charged. All the evidence is against him. And as a result, he has nothing to say in his defense. And for this reason, Jesus says it would be wise for him to settle out of court. And if he doesn't do that, then he will have to suffer the consequences. Then he says the magistrate will refer him to the judge, who will hand him over to the officer, who will throw him in prison, and there he will remain until he has paid back every penny that he stole. Now our Lord here is describing what will happen on the day of judgment. He spoke of this earlier in this chapter. He spoke of it, first of all, in the parable of the expectant steward in verses 35 to 40. The point of this parable is that we should always be ready for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, just like the steward was always ready for the return of his master. He spoke of it again in the parable of the faithful steward in verses 41 to 48. The point of that parable is the same as the previous parable with this additional lesson, that if we squander the time we've been given, thinking we still have plenty of time to get right with God, we are utterly mistaken. For he will come, Jesus says, when we least expect it. And those who have been given more will be punished more severely than those who were given less. Now, the same message comes out here. The man in this parable is you and me. Like him, one day, We must all appear before God as judge. 
Like him, we have an adversary, which is the holy law of God, against which we have all transgressed. Like him, the evidence is against us. We have nothing to say in our defense. Like him, we ought to do everything in our power to get our case settled before it comes before the judge. We ought to admit our guilt and seek pardon and forgiveness before we die. And finally, like him, if we let our opportunity slip, the judgment will go against us and we shall be cast into the prison of hell. The point of the parable is that it is utterly foolish to neglect the opportunity we've been given to get right with God, for we have only one such opportunity. And if we miss that opportunity, we will most certainly perish. Now some, in an effort to make themselves feel better, have tried to make this parable suggest that we will be given a second chance. And they deduce that from the fact that Jesus says, you shall not depart from there, meaning prison, till you have paid the very last penny. And so they infer from this that once the last penny has been paid, then you can be set free. But they forget that anyone who is thrown into debtor's prison will never get out for the simple reason that they cannot work. And if they cannot work, they will never be able to repay what they owe. The point is, there is no second chance. Once you're thrown into prison, you will remain there forever. Oh, do you see why it's so foolish to fail to recognize and make use of the time that we've been given? Unless we repent, friends, and unless we believe, we will be cast into a greater prison, the ultimate prison, into hell itself. And we will never get out, not to an everlasting eternity. And so what are we to do then? Well, we must settle our account with God. We must satisfy the demands of God's justice. Oh, but you say, how can we do that? Doesn't God demand a perfect satisfaction for sin? And isn't his wrath against sin so great that no mere human being can sustain it? Yes, indeed. How then can we make satisfaction for our sins? Well, we can't. It's impossible. But what we cannot do, Christ can do. In fact, he's the only one who can do it. Why? Because he is both human and divine. He had to be human because it was man who sinned. And the justice of God requires that the one who sinned must also bear the punishment for sin. But he also had to be divine. Because only a divine being can sustain the wrath of God against sin so as to deliver others from it. And because God demands a perfect satisfaction for sin which no mere man can render. No other man is both human and divine. Therefore Christ is the only mediator that we need and cannot do without. What is more, Christ did what we cannot do. He bore the wrath of God all the time that he lived on this earth, but especially on the tree of the cross. And in so doing, he paid the penalty for our sins, but he also earned for us the righteousness that we need in order to stand before God and live. 
The gospel proclamation is that when we repent of our sins and believe on his name, his payment becomes our payment and his righteousness becomes our righteousness and as a result, we are set free. The handwriting of our sins is canceled. The penalty has been paid. And God declares us not guilty that we may live in his presence to an everlasting eternity. Well, let me ask you today, in all solemnity, are you in Christ? I mentioned already today is the last Sunday of the year, 2023. Oh, how many sermons have you not heard? How many invitations and warnings have not been presented to you? How many opportunities have you not had to repent and to get right with God? Not just this past year, but over your entire lifetime. But what have you done with those opportunities? Have you taken advantage of them? Or did you let them slip by? Oh, it's a sad and terrible thing to have heard the call of the gospel and not to have responded. Think of the philosophers in Athens. They heard Paul preach to them the gospel. They heard Paul preach to them about Jesus Christ, about his death and his resurrection. But some remained undecided. We will hear you again on this matter, they said. But they never did. Or think of King Agrippa. He too heard Paul preach. And he was convicted by what he said. He even declared at one point, almost I am persuaded to become a Christian. But he never did. When you think of Felix, who said to Paul, go away for now. When I have a convenient time, then I will call for you. But that time never came. All of these people and more were exposed to the gospel, but they never responded in faith and repentance. They missed their opportunity. And that's a tragedy. It is the greatest tragedy that can ever befall any person. Well, let me ask you, is that true for you? Well, it's a sad and terrible thing when we can attend church every Sunday, in most cases twice, and have nothing to show for it. My friend, don't let that happen to you. Listen to the words of J.C. Ryle. He says, let us never rest till we know and feel that we are reconciled to God. Let it not content us to go to church use means of grace and be reckoned Christians without knowing whether our sins are pardoned and our souls justified. Let us seek to know that we are one with Christ and Christ in us, that our iniquities are forgiven and our sins covered. Then and then only may we lie down in peace and look forward to judgment without fear. The time is short. We're traveling on to a day when our lot for eternity must be decided. Let us give diligence that we may be found safe in that day. The souls that are found without Christ shall be cast into a hopeless prison. Well, since that is so, my friends, seek the Lord. Make no mistake. The accuser will not drop his charges. He will continue to press his claim, and he will win. Therefore, you have only one recourse. You must settle out of court, and you must do so 
Now, tomorrow may be too late. This may be your last opportunity. Do not, I beg you, let it slip by. Amen. Dear friends, it's our great joy to be able to preach to you the Word of God every Sunday on this station. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Won't you please take the time to write us a short note to let us know that you are listening to this broadcast. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N, and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X, 2M9. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. Thank you for listening, and now, until next week, may the Lord be with you all.